And in this time, let us join together in the hearing of our scripture lesson this morning from Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of the God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishermen of the sea, of the people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James, the son of Jezebel, and his father, John, brother John, who were the, in the boat with mending their nets, immediately called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and with them, with them and hired and followed them. Um, this is the word of God for the people. Thanks be to God. As we've been going through the month of January, we've been looking at a new year. That's what we've been presented here in the year 2021. We have a new year before us, and there have been plenty of complaints about the way that the uh, year 2020 unfolded, and so we take this as an opportunity to live into a new year. And one thing uh, I, I uh, get a crack, uh, I crack up about seeing is whenever people post on social media these like things of them doing their New Year's resolutions, and they say something like, New Year, New Me. It's a new year, it's a new me. And I think that's a beautiful sentiment for the whole two or three weeks that it lasts. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you see them posting is, oops, broke my New Year's resolution sitting there with their uh, month too early king cake or whatever it might be that they chose to break their New Year's resolution with. Uh, because ironically, we don't do so well with the whole new me thing because we got really comfortable and really used to the me that was doing just fine before this. Maybe not just fine, but fine enough for me to be okay with it. Fine enough for me to be able to find excuses to justify, you know, uh, eating too many sweets or not exercising or whatever your New Year's resolution might be. And, uh, and you know, I kind of joke, those are like the, the two main New Year's resolutions that we take on. This entire sermon series has been an opportunity for us to consider new types of New Year's resolutions. And today we want to look at a year of following Jesus because following Jesus demands a new me. In our passage today in Mark, Jesus shows up on the, on the scene and he's just gone through uh, the whole baptism and then trial in the wilderness and he's come out and he's looking for his disciples. We talked uh, a little bit last week about uh, Philip and Nathaniel, and today we see four other disciples who, uh, who come up here. It's Andrew and Simon, who's called Peter, and then James and John, the Thunder Brothers, as they're called. Uh, Zebedee's name means thunder. Uh, their, that's their father's name. Um, so we, we get the, the, the call story of these four disciples, the four that we actually hear the most from in the rest of the Gospels, uh, Peter, James, and John being the ones who become like his inner circle and they get to experience the transfiguration. They have a, a very brief call story here. Jesus just shows up on the scene after John uh, the Baptist has been arrested and he comes, to, comes back to Galilee 
uh, saying, the time is fulfilled. Jesus says these kind of weird things a lot. Uh, The kingdom of God has come near. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This is his message to the people. And as he is passing through uh, the Galilee, particularly along the Sea of Galilee, he sees Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, uh, brothers, fishing in the sea. Most people who live on the Sea of Galilee do the whole fishing job. It's a very, well, the only business you can really have around the Sea of Galilee. Not a whole lot else to do uh, during this time. So uh, they're fishing. It's not the most lucrative business. In fact, they would be considered lower class individuals. Uh, But this is what they do for a living. This is what their parents did, James and John, uh, sons of Zebedee. Zebedee's still doing the same thing. This is what their parents did. This is what their parents' parents did. And on through generations, they fish. That's how they make their living, and that's how they support uh, their people around them. And as Jesus is passing along, uh, Jesus says to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Very unusual thing. Um, we, we kind of get a hint that Peter and Andrew, or Simon and Andrew at this time, uh, probably know a little bit about Jesus. They've probably heard some stuff about him. They grew up in a similar-ish region, so they've probably encountered one another at some time. Uh, they're probably not complete strangers. But even not being complete strangers, this is still pretty, a pretty strange thing to just yell out and say, follow me. My first question would be, where are you going? I need to know. This seems like an important thing for you to disclose to us before we just follow you. And then he says, and I will make you fish for people. Do we need our nets for that? All right, what, what does it mean to fish for people? This seems um, kind of wrong. Uh, we eat our fish. Are you going to make us eat people now too? What's going on here? I would have a lot of questions going into this, but Simon and Andrew, immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Apparently, according to Mark, at least, no questions asked. They just say, all right, cool. Let's do this. Toss the nets down. Let's go, Jesus. Wherever you're going, whatever you're on earth, it means to fish for people. Let's see what happens. Wonderful. And Jesus is like, cool, let's go. And then, as, they went, as he went a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in the boat mending their nets. So they've had a rough day of it. Some of their nets broke. They're having to put them back together so they can keep fishing. Immediately, Mark really likes this word, immediately. Immediately, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. I I hear this and I just picture Zebedee standing in the boat watching his sons go like, what are you doing? We got work to do. Where do you think you're going? And for this one, we don't really have like, we don't really know what Jesus says. It just says he called them and they just go. So maybe he, I don't know, maybe he just said their name, James, John. They're like, okay. Zebedee's like, what's going on here? And the other hired people there are probably like, ooh, those, are, those people are going to be in trouble when they get home. And they just go. They just follow Jesus. And, well, we find out that along the way, we kind of have a hindsight for this, that, that they, they see incredible things. 
They get to see greater things than these, our lesson from last week. But it's also not an easy life that they're going into. Jesus tells one person who asks to be a disciple, uh, birds have nests and foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And otherwise, uh, in other words, they're essentially going to be homeless travelers, vagabonds, uh, wanderers. Um, it's not going to be easy stuff that they get themselves into, but they follow. And so, want us to ask the question this morning, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Because this question here will really decide if we do it. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And, and as we get into this, I want to go ahead and put the, the little note here. This might be the most broad question that I could ever ask in the Christian faith. So, so as we're thinking about this, I'm not looking for just one answer here. I can't expect just one or even 10 or even 100 answers here because it is a very broad question. Contrary to popular belief, however, it does not mean that we are called to give up everything. The disciples don't give up everything. Uh, we, we know uh, that Peter or Simon at this time, before he's called Peter, Simon is married. Um, and whenever he leaves, it's not like he just left his wife behind, didn't even say goodbye or anything, and, you know, just leaves her to fend for herself. Uh, no, he comes back. We even get this moment where uh, Peter's mother-in-law is uh, sick, and Jesus comes and is there for Peter's mother-in-law, and, and they, like, hang out in her house. So uh, contrary to popular belief, following Jesus does not mean that we are called to give up everything. It simply means that we are called to give up our selfishness. And I want you to sit with that word. I use this word way too often in, uh, in sermons, but it's, a, it's an important word for us to consider, selfishness. These times when we just think about ourselves. Because as, as fishermen, Andrew and Simon and James and John, they've probably gotten pretty good at the whole fishing thing. At least good enough to make a living out of it, at least good enough to sustain themselves. And also, it's probably the only thing they know how to do well, because that's what you do. You wake up early in the morning, you go and fish until the fishing's done, and you come back and you bring the fish in. Uh, some go to the market, you get to keep some for yourself, and then you go home and you sleep and you wake up and you do the same thing again. It's more than just a nine to five, it's an all day experience, and that's all they really do is fish. But Jesus calls them to something different, something different but not giving up everything. And, and this whole following Jesus thing, it's also not just simply a new life. It is a transformed life. So, Jesus, whenever he calls these first four disciples and says, follow me, he calls them to do something profound that we don't really hear, but we see. It's to leave behind the old. To leave behind the old. In, uh, in Jesus' message as he comes to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, he says, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near, repent. 
and believe in the good news. Repent. This is, a, this is a crucial word in the gospel message. Repent. It's also a word we don't hear very often in, uh, in other conversations. Repent. Uh, what do you think? What, what, I'm going to make y'all talk for just a second. What does repent mean to you? Somebody want to call something out? No, Michael, we don't want to call something out. Please stop asking us to talk in the middle of worship. Okay, uh, repent, uh, we get this from the Greek word metanoia. Metanoia. Uh, it's not a word that trans- uh, translates very uh, cohesively into our language, uh, but it's a compound word, two different words in one word here, the first being meta, and this isn't like meta as in, whoa, it's really big and out there, uh, meta as in the same thing as metamorphosis, it means a change, a transformation, something that is new, or something that comes after, that's meta. The second word is noia, uh, noia, uh, it's a complicated translation here, but we can look at it as uh, mind, as a, somebody's mind or somebody's understanding. And so the word metanoia, from which we get repentance, is essentially the word a transformed mind or understanding after the fact. Okay, so. I'm just going to leave that there for a second. Metanoia equals repentance equals a transformed mind equals after understanding. This is what Jesus is calling people to do. They're calling people to a transformed life. And transformation is very uncomfortable for us. New year, new me is, not, is, is only fun for so long, and then all of a sudden it's not so great anymore. Because the old me was a lot more comfortable. But yet, we see that it is really in our nature, in the nature of all things, to experience some amount of newness, some amount of transformation. We look out, uh, the, the, the classic example is that of the caterpillar going to the butterfly. And the caterpillar, you know, eats and eats and eats, forms its cocoon, and next thing you know, metamorphosis, it transforms into something new. It could remain a caterpillar, I think. I don't know. I don't know if, if caterpillars have, like, conscious choice to choose to remain a caterpillar, but, but in theory, it could remain a caterpillar, but it's natural for it to transform into new life, into something that is beyond what it ever could have been before going from this little worm-like thing that inches around and just eats things to this grand little flapping-winged uh, weird creature that is all of a sudden really spectacular and people are fascinated by its daintiness. This transformation is what Jesus is calling people to. As Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fish for people. They are already fishers. They know how to fish. Jesus doesn't call them to a whole new life. He's not saying, follow me and I will make you scholars of math. He's saying, follow me and I will make you fish for people. This is, it's the same life that they are already in that they are being called to look at it anew. But in order to get to the whole new part, they first have to leave 
behind the old. And so there is this huge amount of symbolism whenever Jesus calls Simon and Andrew as they're casting their nets. It says immediately they left their nets. They didn't take their nets with them. It's symbolic that you are, that, 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 that they were leaving behind the old. That everything they had known for some time, and Andrew and Simon probably aren't that young, so they've known fishing for a really long time. Everything they've known in their life, they're called to drop it, to leave it there, and to go on into a transformed life. The same with James and John. They, uh, they have a, a unique a unique, I should say. It's just the only one that's really mentioned in uh, this point of Scripture, a unique-ish relationship with their father. They're really close to their dad. In fact, uh, th their dad is one who kind of advocates on their behalf at one point. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously they spend a lot of time with their dad. Their dad's uh, kind of their chief fisherman. They work with him, spend a lot of time with their dad. And whenever Jesus calls James and John... Immediately, they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men. Something that they have known, something that has been part of their old life, they leave behind. And Mark finds it important to mention this, symbolically helping us understand that following Jesus means we can't just take everything that we have with us. It means that some things have to be left behind. Another point, there is uh, the, the rich young ruler story where this person, uh, wealthy person, comes up to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, you know the law. And the rich young ruler says, I've, I've followed the, the law, the letter of the law to a T. I know it perfectly. I haven't broken it even once in my life. It's pretty amazing. Jesus says, you lack one thing, go and sell your possessions and give it to the poor. And he goes away because it's difficult to follow Jesus when you're clinging to the old. But that old, it's not just everything in your life. It's, Jesus doesn't call us to just abandon everything and all of a sudden move to Africa and start doing incredible things and start ministering to the people over in Africa without anything else uh, with us. It's a continuation of our life, but it calls us to leave behind that which we might cling to in selfishness. For Simon and, uh, and Andrew... Everything they knew was fishing. Their selves were wrapped up in their very nets. That's all they knew. That was their livelihood. That was their lifestyle. That was essentially the most important thing to them. And they leave it behind because Jesus calls us to give up our selfishness. Whenever James and John leave their father Zebedee, they are effectively leaving that which they cling to, to go and find something new to cling to, namely in this point, Jesus. So following Christ, it requires this repentance, this transformed mind, this after understanding, this metanoia. It requires that for us to leave behind the old and then take on the new. 
Jesus says, repent and believe. Repent and believe in the good news of the kingdom of God. What is this good news that Jesus is calling them to? Uh, Yes, it is that Jesus has come, that God is incarnate right here among the people, but it's also even more than that. And it's even more than we could even begin to conceive of, but but it, it, it includes that transformation, that new life. Jesus never once called anybody to a stagnant, same old, same old life. Never once. Instead, Jesus calls us to an active, participatory lifestyle every single day. And in this belief, this belief that Jesus calls us to after repentance is meant to be that which we now cling to replacing our selfishness with this new hope, with this new message, with this new lifestyle. Jesus calls us to leave behind the old and to take on the new, and the new is even more challenging than leaving behind the old. Why? Because, take for example, Simon and Andrew, they are uh, fishing out there with their nets, and they know how to do it well. And fishing isn't like the most complicated job. And I don't want to belittle people who fish. There are definitely complications. But more often than not, you don't exactly have fish who are down there in the ocean looking at the net saying, that looks dangerous. I think we should all avoid it. And then they go to their little city council and they start talking about it. They say, if you see a net out there, don't go near it. Fishing isn't that complicated because the other side of the net isn't really actively thinking about what they're getting into. On the other hand, fishing for people is a whole lot more complicated because you have people on the other end of the net who are saying, hmm, I don't know if I want to do that because I'm pretty comfortable over here. I'm pretty confident in my own lifestyle. I don't think that I want to do what you're calling me to do because I've got it pretty good. I'm doing all right. I can make it on my own. All of these kind of statements and mentalities. So this call to leave behind the old, that's difficult. It's difficult to leave behind the old, but then to actually live into transformation and go into that new life, that's not easy. In fact, that's often more difficult because the transformed life calls us to stop thinking about ourselves as much and start thinking about other people more often. There's a, there's a, a TV show on Netflix that my wife and I really enjoy. It's, it's humorous. It's called New Girl. It's kind of a crash show, but it's, uh, it's funny. And there's, there's uh, one part where the main character, who's played by Zoe Deschanel, uh, she's uh, talking about how she's always thinking about uh, other people. And what if, what if whenever I do this, uh, I, then it ends up hurting them. And another one of the characters says, do you just go around all day long thinking about other people and their feelings? She says, yes, I do. He says, how do you do that? And she says, it's really hard. It is really hard to think about other people and their feelings all the time. It is really hard to live a less self life. 
It's a really easy to live a selfish life, one that's filled with just me, because I know what I want, I know how to take care of myself, and sometimes I make uh, dumb decisions and everything and I mess up, but I at least know how to reconcile it for myself. Living a life that is for more than just me is a lot more complicated because all of a sudden, there are many more variables out there. There are many more things that we have to consider. There are many more things that our mind is attentive to. Jesus is calling us to leave behind the old and take up the new. That's what it means to follow Christ. It's not easy, but it's the call. It's the way. If you watch The Mandalorian, this is the way. This is what it means to be a Christian, to move through the process of metanoia, to repent, to have a transformed mind. And that word transformation is imperative in the Christian faith. You don't have a Christian life without that transformation. Without that transformation, I have a Micah life. Not a Christian life, I have a Micah life, and I know exactly how to take care of myself most of the time. I still make pretty bad decisions about that. But I know what I like. I know what's comfortable for me. I know how to do this for me. But that whole Christian life, well, notice the adjective there. Christian life. It's not about me anymore. It's about Christ. It is about that word Christian, which we first uh, see later on in our text, Christ-like life. And how does Christ live his life in our text? It is a life of love. It is a life of compassion. It is a life of investing in people. It is a life of community transformation. It is a life of new things. So when we think about a year of following Christ, I want you to consider this challenge. What might Christ be calling you to leave behind this year in order to follow him? We're just going to start with step one. There's two steps in this whole following Christ process we've talked about, leaving behind the old and taking on the new. We have to start with leaving behind the old before we can get to the new. Simon and Andrew, James and John, they never experienced the new without leaving behind the old. So, step one, what might Christ be calling you to leave behind this year in order to follow him? That's kind of what New Year's resolutions are all about initially. But I want you to really consider this this week. What needs to be left behind? What is the old that needs to be transformed into the new? Maybe you already have an answer for that in your head. I asked this question, it popped right to you, you said, this is absolutely what, I, I mean, there's no question about it, I've been thinking about it all through last year, too. Maybe this is going to be a harder thing to answer, and might take some time of, of pondering and meditating over, but consider that. What might Christ be calling you to leave behind this year to follow him? Because once we identify what we need to leave behind, then we can begin the process of transformation. Once we identify what needs to be left behind, then we are able to get to the new. 
And I'll go ahead and give you a hint here. That thing that probably needs to be left behind is more than likely going to be the point in your life where you experience the most selfishness. And that's going to be hard. And step two is even harder. But Christ isn't calling us to a life all about me and my comfort zone. Christ is calling us to a life of following. And it's going to be dark sometimes, and it's going to be difficult sometimes, and we're going to be scared sometimes. The disciples experienced the whole gambit of human emotion all in these three years of ministry with Jesus, and they just all over the board. But they keep leading this life because they know that it's worth it and that it makes a difference in the world. So let's make 2021 a year of following Christ. And, you know, if, it, if, it, if it's only one year of following Christ, at least that's something. But I think we could put this into, you know, a, a whole lifetime of following Christ. But let's at least just start with a year. We'll start there. A year of following Christ. Let us pray together.